Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Crushing Real Estate with Brian Pham, where we interview real estate professionals around the industry. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a very positive review. We release an episode every single Sunday, so stay tuned. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Crushing Real Estate. Today we have a very special guest. I'm very excited to have her. Her name is Connie Chung. We actually go way back together in high, in high school at Gabrielino High School down in San Gabriel in Southern California. So a little bit about Connie. She's a 2016 30 Under 30 Realtor in Realtor Magazine. She has sold over $100 million in real estate in the San Francisco area. Connie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Brian. Definitely. Can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Oh, gosh, sure. I am uh, one in a really wonderful and grateful business partnership with my best friend, Mm -hmm. which isn't always the case in real estate, but we make it work. And together, we've done some really great work in San Francisco in the Bay Area. And we have uh, grown our team actually just within the past couple months. And we've got uh, two agents that we're working with and just trying to chug along. Wow, that's that's really cool. I, I mean, everyone I talk to in San Francisco, like they know all about you, and you know, like what you're <laughs> doing. So you're quite popular even among my investor community. So it makes me really proud to know, like, that I know the great Connie Chung. Um, oh, that makes me happy to hear. <laughs> uh, can you talk a little, little bit about how you got into real estate and why you decided to become a realtor? Sure. My earliest memories of real estate involves going to open houses in San Marino with my parents. And um, yeah, I didn't really know what, I didn't really know what we were doing. We were just looking at houses. I think my parents, my dad especially always had the American dream to buy a home and to own a home. The sad thing is we never bought in San Marino, which my mom regrets to this day, uh, just seeing what's become, um, uh, but I remember just being in awe of the really beautiful manicured lawns and one home in particular. I remember, like, I have a memory of seeing a back, huge backyard pool with a cool spiral uh, slide going into it and thinking, gosh, this is so neat. Um, and, but never thought of real estate as a career. I didn't even know that was an option. Um, I have an aunt and uncle who actually practice real estate. Both of them actually do it more on the side. So I've always heard of being a realtor, but didn't know that you could do it full time and make a a decent living from it um, until I became older. And I, my husband and I um, would go to open houses and relive my childhood (laughs) memories by just popping into open houses, checking out the design. And I, just love architecture and and, and interior design actually. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, how about going into um, go, exploring interior design as a career? Mm-hmm. Um, because I was at a point where I wanted to try something new. But then when I spoke with a design friend, um, she mentioned going back to school for the for a degree, and I was like, okay, I know I do not want to go back to school. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I'm just not an academic. Um, but then I thought, oh, why don't I learn the business aspect of real estate and become a realtor? 
Oh, wow. So I had coffee with a neighbor mm-hmm. and um, I like simultaneously went through getting my license and then started exploring different brokerages and um, just had coffee with a neighbor who I knew uh, vaguely and said, hey, I'd love to pick your brain um, and understand what it's like to be a realtor full time. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was really inspiring and also um followed up and said, you know, we're looking to take on a mentee. We'd be happy to mentor you. And I thought, um, this sounds like such a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. So um, simultaneously, as I was exploring real estate, I was also looking into going into startup. I had worked at a nonprofit for many years before and just wanted a change in kind of a, a a more dynamic environment where I was around more people and more um, young people. So that inspired me to apply to a bunch of startups, mm-hmm. uh, but I did not get any of the jobs I applied to. So I was like, <laughs> okay, real estate looks like this is the path. But life works the funny ways, right? Cause like exactly. one door closes for you and the next door opens up. And if we go totally. back, yeah, we go back a little bit more for our audience. So San Marino is a very um, high end area in the San Gilbert Valley down in Southern California. Mm-hmm. All the houses there are like averaging one to two or three million dollars. So they're very, very high end. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great story, Connie. Like you talked about how one door is closed to you and you got into real estate and you, have, you found mentorship. Like what were some of the bigger challenges that you faced when you first began your career and how did you build that client, mm-hmm. client base that you had? Yeah, the biggest challenges I faced were really mental. I would say learning the aspect of the transactional part of real estate to anyone. I always tell them it's that you can learn. I, of mm-hmm. course, there are always these nuances and the contractual terms, but the mental part is what wow. really held me back. Mm-hmm. And it still does. It's something I'm still constantly working on today. Um, but for example, I always had this impression um, and stigma of realtors just being very salesy and cheesy. <laughs> and I felt like, oh, I need to be like that. But at the same time, that's not me. So I struggled with the imposter syndrome. Like, oh, I just, am I am I a realtor? Like, but I don't look like a traditional realtor. So it was something that even telling agents, like people I'd meet, if I went to a party, they'd be like, oh, what do you do? Um, and I would just shyly say like, I'm a realtor, you know, like I, and I remember having uh, drinks with my old boss and he's, and I, and I shared this with him. He's like, Connie, you just need to own being a realtor and just say it with dignity. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. But then I still would have a hard time. Um, I'm getting better at it today after five years of being in the industry, but owning being a realtor. Yeah. Owning it and knowing that, Yes, there are those types of realtors, but there are also the very polished, full of integrity, honest, hardworking realtors like myself and so many colleagues that I know to really just embrace that um, and be able to tell other folks that that this is what I do. This is my profession. And it's something I'm proud of, mm-hmm. even though internally I know I'm very proud of it, but externally it was really hard to mm-hmm. to put out there. Yeah, I'm really happy that you you faced those mental barriers and you got through them. I mean, myself included, I mean, being inside the investment side of things where I flip houses, there's a lot of times where I do have the imposter syndrome where people come up to me and ask for help and ask how they can contribute. And for myself, 
I'm always trying to figure out better ways of doing things. So I totally understand mm-hmm. what you mean, you know. But I realize that what really helps is that if you project yourself in a very confident manner, like mm-hmm. a lot of flow in the situation would change into your favor, into your favor, you know. So I, I like I like that mental barrier. Like I I still face the imposter syndrome all the time. Um, I think right now, like I I mentor probably a good group of people into real estate investing, whether it's flips or or buying holds. Like I totally know what you mean, but I feel like the yeah. more you give back, the more you get, and the more you receive. And that's I, I like I like your your approach too. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, it's so inspiring to see you praying because. We both of us were not in that traditional. We don't look like the traditional developer, investor, or realtor. So it's really cool that we're breaking those barriers. And also, what I love about the work you do is making investing, flipping homes, um, accessible to people in our community who otherwise wouldn't be wouldn't think of that as a possibility. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, growing up in San Gabriel, like we're always very sheltered. We always have our own safety little bubble that we don't really know what's possible for us to be able to achieve, you know, like yourself, like a hundred million dollars in sales in, in, in San Francisco. Like that sounds like completely absurd as we were growing up, but as we start doing it, it for yeah. real, you know, like I'm, I'm very impressed when I, when I heard stories about you, Connie, like, I was like, well, like she went to get high school with me. Like we have people like that. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's cool. Yeah. And I'm in the same boat. Yeah. Okay. Um, I know that being a realtor, like 30 under 30, is a really, really big deal. Um, I know you mentioned that you reach out to people and you have exposure when you're younger with mentorships and asking for help. Like, Do you have any systems that keep you motivated on a daily basis? Like, Do you have any metrics that you follow every single morning to make sure that you mm. hit numbers and quotas? I... I wish I did, but I recently did the, um, what's known as the ninja training, and they have the ninja nine, as they call it, where there's your, there are nine highly effective habits to being highly effective people and successful people and accomplishing your goals. Um, and I tried implementing some of them for the first few days after I finished the training because I was so energized and motivated. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them include waking up at 5 a.m., which I did for a couple days. And then I, I was like, <laughs> this is not for me. Um, but a couple other things that I enjoyed and took from that I, I unfortunately got out of the habit of doing, but mm-hmm. um, some of the, but I do encourage anyone to do it. One was having a gratitude journal. So um, after waking up, you would write the three things that you're grateful for. And it would include three affirmations or two affirmations. And one of them that I wrote, it was the one I kept remembering to write because it was something I was struggling with was that I am enough. Like reminding myself, even though I'm always pushing myself to do better, Mm -hmm. to do more, like that feeling is so exhausting. And it's a reminder that what I am doing already is so great. And I think, um, especially for the immigrant mentality, like Asian American experience or just young professional experiences, it's so in our culture, it's like, okay, what's the next thing? But for me, I had to remind myself, okay, wow, like what I have done already is so incredible. Let me take a step and remember that. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's, and it was a nice, yeah. Go ahead. Crazy, like hearing you say stuff like that, you know, like, you know, obviously we, we look up to you 
a lot and knowing knowing that you do follow these these morning routines like that that's actually really ins- inspirational but it's also a very common theme i hear among really successful people is that they, they have these set routines where they write down their their gratitude of what they're grateful mm-hmm. of like i think myself i also do a journal similar to that like i, I write down what i'm grateful for and and most of the time like, it pulls me through even through the worst of days you know, like sometimes i feel like mm-hmm. like things are things are going wrong for me like a lot of things are moving in the wrong direction but when i sit down in my journal every morning like i look back of like wow like why am i stressed about these things like my life is mm-hmm. actually not that bad and, like i'm actually in a position to push forward and that's something that i feel like it's a common theme among yourselves and other people i talk to in an interview that we do have this, this that they do have this journal for stay uh, grateful for things that they do have. So I like that a lot, Connie. That's really good. Oh, totally. I want to hear what's in your journal. <laughs> so in my journal, um, so I write down my five goals, uh, mm-hmm. goals that are extremely big. So I write mm-hmm. down things like I want to change the world or I want to have an impact or I want to do this and that. And then mm-hmm. I break down five, five more things about things I'm grateful for. Usually it's like, oh, I'm in good health. My parents are good in health. Like I'm in a position to help other people and, bit, and create a bigger impact, which sort of led me to, to uh, starting my podcast. Um, mm. It kept coming up over and over. And when you keep writing down things into your journal, like your subconscious mind will kind of just give you the answers that you need. And then my answer is I want to make a bigger impact. And I like to talk to people like mm. you, Connie, that I know that we have a very – very similar upbringing. Uh, maybe grew up in the same hometown, same high school and everything. So knowing what I know about you and myself, like I'm very grateful that I have met you and we're talking right now, you know? Likewise. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I mean, besides like your grateful journal and your morning routines, do you do any affirmation or do you meditate on a daily basis? Uh, I don't meditate, but in that journal it's called the five minute journal and I've been recommending it to folks even though I've stopped I'm like oh it's only five minutes a day and it's sad that I can't even mm-hmm. get in the habit of writing in it for five minutes um <laughs> but I don't um but and in there I would include two affirmations every day um I I do work out and that's part of kind of my motivating okay. factor and kind of the way I help to remind to practice my affirmations in my head like okay you got through this if you could get your butt up and make it into class today for to work out then you can do anything yeah definitely um do you feel i know you know you have you started a family like do you feel having a family has impacted the way you work and the way you do it with clients and people and your motivation oh absolutely yeah it's having a family, especially um, a little one has made me so much more conscious of my time and being effective. Mm -hmm. I always, I even had a stigma of working parents and always thinking, Oh, well, their parents, they probably can't do enough or like they wouldn't work as hard. Gosh, I have so much more respect for working parents because you're working double and even harder and so much more efficiently because your time is so precious. Mm -hmm. Um, And for example, um, we do a lot of client dinners and events after work because that's when a lot of our clients are free. But mm-hmm. that's also such a valuable time because that's when I get to be with my husband and my daughter. So mm-hmm. there were, there was one month in June where we were doing 
two or three client dinners a week and it was it was exhausting it's just a lot to be social (laughs) in my my age I feel Um, but I came to the realization like wow this is this is definitely taking a lot more of my energy so I'm going to put boundaries and try to stick to no more than two uh, client engagements and a week in the evening. Um, and sometimes I'll have to block out my calendar in advance because um, we send out Calendly links to our clients to set up uh, a time to get together. And um, so I have to block it off some of the days so that they don't all get booked up by our clients. Um, and those are kind of ways that I try to be more mindful to, because my whole intention and my value, one of my top values is being with my family and spending time with them. And so, um, making conscious efforts to do that is really important for me. Definitely. I mean, it sounds like you have a lot going on already. Like, can you walk us through your day? Like, how do you structure your day from like, from the time you wake up until the time you end your night? Like what Mm -hmm. goes on? Do you do the hardest things in the morning? Do you do client facing stuff in the morning? Like how do you structure your day? Oh yeah, that is something I'm still always working on. And it's so (laughs) different. I, would love to say that I spend my first couple hours working on the hardest thing or like the business development or the marketing, kind of the fun, creative stuff that I don't always get to practice or muscle every um, often. But, you know, I it's hard. I will am guilty of getting sucked into emails and putting out fires, responding to client inquiries um, and and then going about, oh, what else do I need to do? And it becomes very reactionary. So I would say to, to do what I do because it's not the most um, effective. Um, but I do do to-do lists. And whenever um, I find myself, the longer my to-do list is, the more efficient I become because then I'm like, okay, wow, you got to like knock all of these out, Connie, go. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Well, that's really good. I mean, if you switch over to the client side, like what's your approach to helping your clients find the dream house and find the perfect mm. house that they want to they wanna buy? Yeah, I would say it's really understanding their needs and their lifestyle. For example, we just met with clients yesterday and her whole goal is to live as close to work as possible because she works so much. Mm-hmm. So really getting to know them by asking them questions of, mm-hmm. Like, where do they work? What, how do they like to commute by if they prefer to walk? That definitely limits our radius. If they bike or take muni or drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and for example, this client just wanted to be able to walk really easily um, and spend her weekends brunching and going out with friends. So still finding something that's relatively close to mm-hmm. a neighborhood of cafes and restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of getting, yeah, getting to know them and what is it that they're, how they live their daily lives in an ideal situation. And okay. I would say once you understand that, we're pretty sharp on honing yeah. in exactly what neighborhoods they want to be on, even down to maybe what streets. Um, because in San Francisco, one street can look totally different than the next block over. Yeah. So <laughs> um, honing in, as you may know. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, I feel like a lot of, do you, do you ever feel like a lot of your work is very EQ based instead of IQ where you're mm-hmm. connecting and reading your clients? Oh, absolutely. I would say, gosh, it's like 70% EQ. Mm-hmm. It, there's so much empathy and um, shadowing of um, 
a person or client's behavior. That just actually made me think back to a meeting we had earlier this week with new clients. And um, one of our teammates, um, I, it's so funny. I actually wanted to follow up with them and tell them like, oh, that was really good. Um, what do they call it? Mirroring mm-hmm. where um, our our client, she kept putting her hand on her chin and, and like the thinking Mm-hmm. pose and then I saw um, our teammate do the same and I was like oh that's really great <laughs> but yeah and it's so subtle but it definitely is just really understanding the room and reading the room which I think wow, that's, is that's really cool. huge it's like different science yeah that was really cool I mean and on, on top of that like you also had to negotiate really well too especially at, with the seller's agent like do you have mm-hmm. any negotiation tips that you that you, you that you yourself use or you recommend someone else using yeah negotiations? I um funny I always thought negotiation was two people coming to battle but mm-hmm. one thing I've learned about negotiating and I think it's what makes Kenny and I so successful and our team so successful that we've learned that it's really having our clients best interests at heart and making it work. So, and what that looks like is when we're talking to, say we're representing the sellers and there's the other party representing buyers, it's like, okay, let's all, how can we all come to an agreement where both parties feel like they've won? Mm-hmm. Because that's, that's, when, that's when I feel like we win is when both parties do well. Um, so it's really always being firm for me, especially because I know I can be very much seemingly a people pleaser but funny enough when Kenny and I go to negotiate I usually have to play bad cop and he gets to play good cop (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah so sometimes we have to take on those different roles and then but ultimately whenever I'm negotiating I always keep in mind to be firm and hold my ground Mm -hmm. yet always being positive because that's ultimately how to get the other party to want to work with you Mm-hmm. So we'd always say like, you know, this is what this this is what we're offering, or this is these are the terms. Let's make it work, or like we want to make this work. So you always want to continue the conversation, and it's something we tell our team as well as every negotiation is a continual of the conversation. Yeah, that's that's a really good tip. I mean, obviously, like my perception when I think of negotiation, when I first started, I'm like, I have to win, you have to lose. You know, it's like mm-hmm. a debate mentality, you know. But as I got more into it, I'm like, okay, like, why don't we create a situation where we both win? Like, if you get a price exactly. that you want, a price that I want, like, there's no hurt feelings. And guess what? They're going to tell their friends and they're going to tell their friends about you. And your business just grows naturally if you make a situation mm-hmm. where everyone wins in negotiation. So I really like that approach, mm-hmm. Connie. Like, that's, that's really, really good. Yeah. Um, let's, yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about your real estate goals. Like, what are your real estate goals in the next year, next five years from now? What does that look like for you? Mm. Well, we are growing our team, which is so great because that has really helped our goal of scaling. That's something I keep thinking about as of late is how, because real estate is such a service-based industry, it's, mm-hmm that's what makes it so challenging to scale is because what we're known for and what our success is attributed to is the level of service we offer. It's like very concierge level where a client's like, Oh, actually 
Connie, do you do you have a CPA who can do the taxes for my investment portfolio, or do you have a cleaner or a landscaper? So it's and every time it's like you know wanting to provide that service and point them in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but that becomes hard to scale because it's all of our individual time and energy. Mm-hmm. So we've been thinking about okay, how can we bring on good people who understand our level of service Mm -hmm. that we want to provide and also who can be an extension of our brand. That's true. How big is your team right now? So there's four of us total. Okay. That's a good size. Yeah. And actually I should tell you one of them also went to our same high school and is, is Cliff. Oh, wow. (laughs) Nice. I need to reconnect. Yeah. And I think one thing in our goal is for Kenny and I, we created our partnership, um, and we've all, we've always grown very organically. Even how we be how we became business partners was very organic. It was that we would work next to each other and meet up at a coffee shop and do a lot of our work from there. Mm-hmm. And then we thought, like, hey, what would it be like to to partner up together? Mm-hmm. So we tested it out with a few clients and had they benefited from it because we were actually at different brokerages. Mm-hmm. So we were able to leverage the relationships we both had built at our respective firms. Mm-hmm. And then we also benefit and so our clients benefited from, from that. And then we just had so much fun working together. So we thought, okay, how can we make this a real thing? Mm-hmm. And um, we're very intentional about creating a partnership while also valuing the friendship because that's we we were friends before we became business partners and our friendship meant more than the business. So we always said if there was a point where we would have where our friendship was at risk, we would have to dissolve the business and then have hard conversations of, okay, if we came to that point, what would that look like if we had to dissolve our business? Mm-hmm. So we had really clear um, thought process throughout from the beginning. And then when it came time to growing, um, I know we were just taking on so many clients and we were on the verge of burnout that we were like, okay, we need to take some, um, take on an agent. Um, and we took on Allie, who's been fantastic and just such a go-getter. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it was, but there was some resistance to that because there's a lot of responsibility when it comes to being an employer and being responsible for someone's livelihood and income. Um, so we were very thoughtful about how we structured what that role looked like. Mm-hmm. And then um, when it came to adding another team member, we weren't actively seeking out someone, um, or I guess we were casually, organically talking about it. But then a good friend um, from high school reached out and said, hey, I got my license and and you knowing Cliff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just like, you know, for me, I always love working with good people. That's like what I prioritize. And I was like, Cliff, come work on our team. I'll, we'll mentor <laughs> you. So it was just such a natural, organic progression. Wow. I love it, Connie. I love that organic. I hope, I hope it stays organic as you scale. Yes. Obviously, that's the most difficult part, right? Maintain your values, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the brand that you have already. Yeah, that's, re- that's really good. Um, I guess re- since we're running out of time, we can jump straight to the, the next couple questions. So yeah. would you start your real estate career all over again? What would you have done differently? 
I almost wish I would have started earlier <laughs> in real estate because, wow, it's such a powerful, empowering field to see. The, I Growing up, I always thought, oh, you know, I, of course I would own a home. That's what everyone does, right? That, um, but being in the Bay Area and just in California in general with prices being so high, it's incredibly tough and challenging. But to have been exposed to that at a much younger age would have been really cool. Um, I, if I could do things differently, I probably I would have said to let go of a lot of the, the, the mental challenges I held on to. Like, mm-hmm. I wish I could have owned being a realtor much <laughs> younger and been okay going to parties and saying I was a realtor instead of being mm-hmm. what's known as the secret agent. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's never too late, right? I feel, I feel like in the in the five years you've been a realtor, I think you created a great reputation for yourself already, especially here in the Bay Area. So very admirable. Yeah. Um, Thank you. I guess the last question is, what's your favorite book, Connie? Oh, that's a hard one. I do love reading a lot. Um, hmm. Um, um, I can't think of my all-time favorite one. Oh, but also I'm having a total brain fart and can't even <laughs> recall the last book I read. But no, one book I read recently, um, Sour Grape by Jenny Ng, I believe. Okay, um, okay young, young Asian American writer in um, based in New York. Um, and it was a really sad, dry, humor, humorous, um, and dark uh, story about a young um, Asian American growing up with really hardworking parents who, were, who weren't who were really around much um, mm-hmm. in her experience um, in a very well-written, um, poetic way. And I, for me, I think I gravitate, I don't have like one super favorite book, but I do gravitate towards coming of age books and yeah. storytelling because I'm just one who's, I feel like I'm, even though I'm a mom now and in my thirties, like I am still, I feel like I'm still coming of age every day um, and trying to be a better person and learning and growing. So those kinds of stories. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm very much the same way. Like I'm always like, okay, I'm becoming better every single day. I have to do Mm -hmm. something. I'm better every single day. And hearing that from you is like, wow, like all of us, we do have that growth mindset in common. I really like that. Yeah, so totally. Um, how can the listeners find out more about you? Oh, well, um, you can follow me along on Instagram. I do post some fun stuff. That's not just real estate, but also kind of more personal. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of cute photos of my daughter. Uh, my Instagram handle is at Run. S-E-E-C-O-N-R-U-N. Um, and that goes way back to high school when I used to run cross country. Nice. And um, and also you can find our team at, at Connie and Kenny. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's our business page. Um, and also folks who are interested can always shoot us an email. Uh, my email is Connie at ConnieandKenny.com. Awesome. I think, thank you for your time, Connie. Really appreciate it. So great to chat with you, Brian. I'm always inspired just hearing from you. So this was really lovely. Awesome. Thank you so much.